This is Sustainable-ish with me, Jen Gale, and it is great to have you here. Listen in each week and I hope I can brighten up your day and leave you feeling inspired and excited about the magnificent human being that you are and the power that you have to create a better world. You won't find any expectations of eco-warrior perfection here. There's no obligatory tree hugging. You won't be judged if you drive a car, wear leather shoes, or eat the odd pack of Haribo every now and then. I'll be sharing my own gems of wisdom for sustainable-ish living, and I also relentlessly scour the internet for people doing amazing things to tackle the big environmental issues that we're facing, and I hound them until they agree to come on and inspire us all with their fabulousness and the positive change that they're making. So sit back, listen in, and get ready to change the world one baby step at a time. Hey, 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 welcome back to Sustainable-ish and the second episode this week in this special little Sustainable-ish parenting mini-series to celebrate the launch of the Sustainable-ish Guide to Green Parenting, my new book which is coming out on Thursday. You can find it anywhere you usually buy your books and there's more about what's in it and who it's for in episode 93 if you fancy a listen. Yesterday's episode was with the amazing Ellie Jackson, author of the Wild Tribe Heroes children's books and was all about how we can introduce the idea of the climate crisis in a really gentle way to our kids and help them to step into the power that they have as change makers, even at a young age. And today I am delighted to be chatting to Rachel Boyette, aka Little Veggie Eats from Instagram. Rachel is a mum of three, lifelong vegetarian and author of the book Little Veggie Eats, which is pitched as a baby weaning book, but I've got a copy and there are so many brilliant veggie meals and snack ideas in there for the whole family. I would 100% recommend it. Now we're all used, aren't we, to the message that we need to be eating less meat. And whilst we might be keen to do that ourselves, sometimes getting the rest of the family on board might be just a teensy tiny bit, um, challenging, shall we say? So I was really keen to chat to Rachel and to ask her what it was like being brought up as a vegetarian in the 1980s, how her kids react to being brought up vegetarian and how, importantly, we can get our kids on board with eating more veggie meals. Enjoy. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me today. Really excited to chat. We're just giggling because we've done all this bit already once and I'm an idiot and forgot to record. So we're going to have this very forced first bit of a conversation where we're doing it all again. Thank you so much for coming to join us. Um, This is a really interesting one to dig into. But yeah, tell us about you and your book and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Rachel, also known as Little Veggie Eats, and I post on Instagram as Little Veggie Eats. And I post vegan and vegetarian family friendly recipes mostly pitched sort of towards young children because I've got three young children myself who are two four and six and sort of pretty much a year ago my first book Little Veggie Eats Easy Weaning Recipes for All the Family to Enjoy came out and that is sort of lots of family-friendly recipes but with a focus on introducing your baby to vegetarian or plant-based diets. Amazing. 
two, four and six, that's, I mean, that's a tough gig, you know, at any time, but during lockdown and homeschooling and COVID, how has that been? Um, it's been quite intense. <laughs> oh, bless you. And we're recording this um, the week the kids go back. So are yours all now back to um, they school? Are, and they are, they so are. This is my second day sort of with all of them back. I think I calculated yesterday when cause my youngest only goes to a trial minor half the week. First day of childcare since the 10th of December. So it feels like this immense relief. Yeah. I've done nothing, by the way. I've just sort of stared into space. <laughs> I feel like it's this massive decompression. Yeah, definitely. You feel like, I, I felt like that on Monday, having dropped mine off and like, oh God, I need to, I want to just sit. I want to just sit yeah. and do nothing. But I've got this massive to-do list and I'm like, oh. Well, yeah, because your book's out. Like, yeah, week, out next right? week. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, your book came out like literally as we went into lockdown. How was it? Because my yeah. first one came out January and then we went into lockdown in March. So, it was a bit of a different experience because you didn't get all the festivals and things like that. But how, how was that like literally the week before? The um, week? It was well. So, my book launch was on the 12th of March and we had a small event and it was sort of are we going to go ahead or not and it was at that point where everyone was sort of like I think mostly because the government were not really making any decisive decisions mm. so all like the restaurants and stuff were still open so it kind of went ahead but the night before people started texting going you know I don't feel comfortable traveling mm. into London etc and then it did go ahead and probably for everyone that attended that would have been the last event yeah since then because um that weekend I stopped going and seeing things and I think yeah so it was kind of it was it's been a very different experience I think I had in my mind all these things you do yes. and you do sort of cooking demos and face raising and none of those happen so I still feel quite sad about that but um you know it is what it is yeah it's been I think it's been a really different experience for anyone who's um published a book like in the last year now I read on Instagram earlier and I don't, don't know why I didn't know this but you used to be a lawyer I did yes so talk to me about, um, because I used to be a vet, and so I'm always fascinated by this journey from kind of, you know, professional, and you've had to work pretty hard to get where you got to, and then to now writing um, a book on writing Little Veggie Eats. How did that all come about? Um, yeah, well, so I never went sort of back to work after I went on maternity leave with my oldest. So I was actually sort of made redundant, or my role was redundant, uh, whilst I was on maternity leave. And I'd always... I used to work in the city and I'd worked in private practice in law firms and I was working in house when it happened and when I went on maternity leave and I think I was always very aware it wasn't really the job for me but I tried different things to try and make it work so then when I on that maternity leave I was like right okay this is great this has finally given me the sort of push I needed to do something else but then mm. actually what then ended up happening is I had three children in sort of four years and sort of just felt like I was flailing about rather than actually making so I always feel like people ask me like oh a big career change I'm like, well I don't really feel like it was I feel like it was more sort of like I just was like treading water for a bit not knowing mm. what was going on I think it's difficult I think um you do all this you make all these decisions when you're well, I guess 16 to 18 yeah. and then you're like oh why did I do that yes yeah and I think you know if if you're if you're academic you get sort of funneled down a certain route don't you and and you you go and you do medicine or law or whatever you know there are these traditional kind of things that that they say right you know if you can get the a-levels these are the things you go and do and then it's actually like do I actually want to be a lawyer like do I have any yeah. clue what being a lawyer involves like I think when I was 18 I was like right that looks like a great salary I'll do yes. that that's probably easy and actually then you get to being an adult and you're like 
there is a lot more in the world than making money and mm. I would maintain as well I feel like lawyers work really hard actually and you know they're not like bankers they don't make that much money they just have a really the work-life balance to me yes. wasn't ever worth it yeah think. yeah yeah so when people talk about career change like for me this wasn't particularly an intentional thing and I still struggle to sort of say oh I run my own business I don't feel like I I do like does it feel like that for you does it feel like this is sort of a career and a business and and this is your job now or or do you still um no and actually I suppose no and I still struggle with that and in fact when I was in hospital recently with a broken arm they kept asking me what I did and I was like um nothing I don't know that's what I'm like I'm like I don't know what do I do I don't know like how long have you got like can we get a cup of tea and we can have a chat about this because when you're a lawyer or a vet it's really easy people go what do you do and you say you know I used and that was the thing I really missed when I stopped practicing I didn't I didn't enjoy being in practice but I really missed being able to say I'm a vet because that's really easy people understand it they make a certain set of judgments about you and then when you're like oh well I you know I'm at home with the kids and I also write and I also do a pot and people are like really what like do you even know what you do and I'm, no I don't know what we do <laughs> <laughs> yeah mine's really like oh I don't know um I actually I have sort of gradually in the last few months I've made the decision to go back to university in September so I feel like I'm in the middle of perhaps sort of the full pivot right now if that makes sense what are you going to do at uni um, so hopefully, what I've got to do, because age 16, I didn't do any science A-levels, um, so I've got to do a science access course, but ultimately to do dietetics and become a dietitian, because the little veggie stuff, the bit I like the most is, I think, you know, sort of working with parents about problems in eating and sort of yeah. the more sort of actual dietary requirements rather than, I love recipe development, but I also feel like I sort of enjoy the sort of more nutritional scientific side as well. So hopefully, I don't want to jinx it by saying it out loud. That's super exciting. That's really, really exciting. So how did it all start then? Because you've always been vegetarian, haven't you? Yes. And then having the kids and are you bringing them up vegetarian? Yes, so they are. So my husband's actually an omnivore. So when I was pregnant, we sort of had a chat about it and he's pretty easygoing. And I think actually since he's known me, he's, when we first got together, he had a very limited vegetable <laughs> intake. But then over the years, he has eaten way more vegetarian at home and enjoys it. Mm. And I think we discussed about the fact that if I was often cooking for the kids, I was never going to cook meat for the kids. Yes. I didn't eat it growing up. So to me, it just seemed it would be really unnatural mm. for me to start cooking it for them when I never had it. So, I mean, it was quite an easy decision. The kids now, my eldest actually, when he went to school, decided he wanted to become pescatarian. Mm -hmm. I think because his best friend was also a pescatarian. So I found that a bit weird. And he did ask me the other day, I gave him some cornfish fingers and he was like, can we have real fish? I was like, well, no, because you know I don't cook it, do you? And he was like, right, mate, can you start? And I was oh. like, no, no. And I, that was kind of the deal when you started eating it was that you knew that I wouldn't cook it for you. So sorry. So do, does your husband still cook himself meat or not? He does, but he sort of normally has it after the kids have got like sort of an evening meal yeah make it sound like um he's not eating secret. it in secret <laughs> yeah but like so he wouldn't so most of the time our sort of family meals would all be vegetarian yeah and then often if he cooks for himself he might sort of like yeah make sort of I don't know like a sausage sandwich or something. yeah 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 have you ever had a bacon sandwich Rachel I have not it's such a weird thing people always ask I think I once went through a phase in my 20s of trying tiny bits of meat to see what all the fuss about and I tried the tiniest bit of bacon and was like Sorry, guys, it's just really salty. <laughs> so no, That's I think so you've never eaten something, like you don't have the same sort of craving for it. 
So what like the, what your son's going through now of kind of going to school and, and I think when our kids are at home with us, they just assume that the way home is, is how everybody else's home is and how everybody else lives. And then obviously they go to school and they start going around to friends' houses and things and you can't kind of control so much what they're exposed to. Did you ever feel that when, when you were growing up vegetarian, did you ever sort of come home to your mum and go, hold on a minute, why don't we have a Sunday roast or why don't we have bacon sandwiches? Or did you ever feel that? Like he's going Yeah, to totally. like, I think all the time I used to be like, oh, why don't we eat My parents were always like, you were free to do what you want outside the house, but we just don't cook it. Mm. So if you want to make that decision and actually interestingly, out of me and my, like I've got um, three siblings as well, all of us are still vegetarian. Actually oh. one of us, my younger brother's vegan. So none of us felt the need to eat the meat outside the house, mm. basically, in the end. But yeah, I remember, I was just thinking about this the other day, because someone posted something about it on Instagram. The thing that I wanted the most growing up was um, those um, ham bears, the slices of ham. That, I mean, how revolting. They're just like full processed meat, but they look so appealing to a five-year-old. It's a bear. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? But And I guess back then as well, this makes you sound really old, and uh, but... I get the impression that it's much more normal, much more accepted now to be vegetarian or vegan rather than, you know, back growing up in the 80s. It it still was quite a different thing to be doing, I would imagine. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, my kids now have got a completely different experience. Like their school has a full vegetarian menu all week and a full vegan one. So every day they get a choice as it is yeah. between vegetarian and vegan food. Their school does meat-free Monday and vegan Wednesday. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so there's loads of options. Whereas mine, I think, I feel like I had school dinners for a bit and then we quickly had to switch to sort of bringing our own packed lunch because there just wasn't the options. But, yeah, it was very different. And I think as well, especially in the 80s, at that time, people who were vegetarian, it was more like a health food shop type vibe. Right. So I remember going to like vegetarian cafes and being like, why are all the burger buns wholemeal? I just (laughs) wanted something that looked like a McDonald's yes. or something you know when you're sort of a kid that's what appeals but it was very much like sort of quite wholesome and yeah. stuff whereas now obviously there's this massive massive explosion in sort of fast food type thing and quite unhealthy mm. vegan food which I guess there just wasn't yeah yeah but yeah. it did mean I remember going to a school nurse when I was a teenager and her going what do you think you get your five a day and I was like um well yeah what else would I eat I'm vegetarian <laughs> So I think in that respect, it was probably, you know, there wasn't like, we did just eat vegetables. Yeah. So your personal reasons for sort of remaining vegetarian, are they, you know, that I seems to fall into kind of two camps. There's the, the sort of animal welfare, animal rights camps, and then, and then increasingly there's a sort of environmental stance as well in terms of reducing meat and things. Um, where would you say you sort of sit on that? Um, probably... I don't know, it's a tricky one because I guess a lot of it is probably habits. Mm. Um, but then increasingly, I'm sort of very much more conscious of, you know, we're vegetarian and not vegan. And I'm aware of the dairy and the mm. egg industry. And, you know, so we are making steps to reduce that as well. And I feel like in recent times, the sort of things have become a bit more fluid. You don't need to be leveled. And that has made it easier because I would say now the sort of desire to cut back on dairy and stuff is definitely driven by sort of climate issues mm. as well so the environmental stuff but then there's also I think supporting the I think I think it's probably a bit of both I suppose is what I'm saying. yeah your book Little Veggies it's it's described I think the tagline is and I've got it here easy weaning recipes for all the family to enjoy now I've bought it my kids are 12 and 9 and we've done loads of the recipes in there because it, it's 
it's exactly that it's for everybody to take part in isn't it but I think one of the things that certainly I struggle with because we're not we're not vegetarian I think we're 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 moving and if it was me I would be like yeah that's fine I can do that I would struggle to give up like I'm just starting to embrace oat milk I would struggle to give up cheese because I tend to replace meat for cheese I think which isn't the best thing environmentally speaking so we're probably like about five two in terms of veggie meals to meat meals at the moment and I'm sort of edging more and more veggie meals in but yeah I think a lot of us will struggle with the kids just turning their nose up at it you know whereas we might quite happily eat it and my partner might happily eat it and then the kids are like oh I don't like that so I guess what I really want is your top tips for how to get my kids to eat vegetarian meals. Um, I think, well, I suppose the main thing is accepting that that's just completely normal. And I think any of us, when we're introduced to new things, have a bit of hesitancy. Mm. So I'd say a lot of it's just about persistence, not making too much of a big fuss about things. So I always like to serve things so family style. So if you're, especially if you're introducing something new. Um, and I think this, especially of like, I would say saucy foods. So, you know, like curries and stews and things like that, which I think naturally they don't quite look as appealing as something that's easy to pick up. So in that, so I'd always try and serve that with some rice or some pasta or some, mm-hmm. some sort of carb that's really safe. And then maybe a vegetable that's, I know there is, so chopped cucumber or chopped carrots are sort of quite obvious right. ones that my kids always like. So I know that even if they've decided they don't want to eat the curry, there's still some vegetables there. And then sort of things like toppings and stuff are a great one to get them involved with the meal and sort of doing things. So I would, for example, if I serve a curry, I'd also serve some toasted seeds, some yogurt, some like maybe some pomegranate or fresh tomato Mm -hmm. or some lemon lemon bits that they can squeeze on. So it becomes almost like they're involved with it and there's a bit of theatre in decorating the plate and things like that. But they might not necessarily eat the curry but they've been exposed and they've had all these different components to get involved so I think it's less about I think it's just always making sure there's quite sort of safe components on the plate and sort of diversifying it and especially things like toppings and stuff and when you're vegetarian they add a lot of diversity and nutrients to the meal as well so it's just about I'd say and accepting that sometimes things don't necessarily look appealing and they don't have to like like everything like it's absolutely okay not to like things but just trying to sort of bring to the table things that they will like so they can feel safe and confident within that meal and do you make a big thing about getting them to at least try something like my kids will often just go I don't like that or there'll be something like my youngest has just randomly decided he doesn't like omelets and I'm like you've been eating omelet like please you know I don't like it just eat one forkful you know and we end up getting into this massive battle and I know we shouldn't I but it really pisses me off that it's stuff that he's eaten before and now he won't like um you know and I'm like exactly as you say I don't mind if you genuinely don't like it but you have to have tried it and then I'm like should I be doing that I don't I mean that yeah I mean that's pretty much he sounds exactly like my six-year-old who's just like I don't eat that and I'm like what you ate it yesterday like going back to the fish finger thing he was like he eats cornfish fingers all the time then said he wanted actual fish and then said he didn't want to eat them in entirely because now they were too crispy yes Um, yeah so but yeah I kind of I accept that if they don't want to try it but they don't get to have more of the things that they do want unless because mine will always say no I don't like it and then well okay but then you know you hear these things saying well you shouldn't use the sort of pudding or whatever as the as the bribe you yeah because there's the usual well if you don't eat that then you can't have any pudding and then I've you know I've read all sorts of things that that's really awful to do as well and then of course they yeah. don't eat it and they don't have pudding and then half an hour later they're like I'm hungry and then I'm like oh so I kind of do so say for example if I was serving 
like a, a curry and rice and he sits and he eats all the rice and he's like I'm more rice I'm like have you tried the curry I don't like it I was like how much can you try it though it's like I'm more rice I don't say you can have more rice but I just want to see you having tried the curry because also that's on your plate mm. to eat it and he'll often have a tiniest bite and be do a theatrical gag or something or the worst is when he sort of like has a bit and then he goes no I don't like it so I give him more rice and I see him secretly trying to eat the curry on the side <laughs> and I kind of like it didn't you but yeah trying not to make a fuss of that as well I'm like mm, yeah I thought you would like it because it has got things in it that you like Yes, exactly. And when you're like, but you like cheese and you like this and you like that. And, you, and that's all the things in there. No, I don't like it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so doing it that way, do you find it quite hard to judge portions? Do you end up with a lot of leftovers? Sometimes, but then there's, I'd always use a leftover. So that's fine. So say if they don't want to eat like a curry, that's fine. My husband and I eat it anyway, or I'll portion it and put it in the freezer and mm. try again. Things like there's obviously lots of things that I'll just use for different things and repurpose them. So sometimes there can be a lot of food wasted into the bin and one of my main issues I'd say is that often that food just gets scraped into my mouth and I just eat all these extra meals <laughs> so my yeah. portion control is an issue that's the thing isn't it with um you know one of the things that I talk about a lot is food waste and trying to reduce food waste but obviously with kids it's I think it's you know x times more difficult because exactly as we've just discussed one day they'll eat something and the next day they won't or maybe they'll have a week where they're mad on bananas so you get more bananas and then they don't eat the bananas and all those sorts of things so I think it is so much more difficult with children how do you I mean you've got some great recipes in your book and I see them on your Instagram all the time for sort of using up leftovers haven't you got like a muffin one that has yeah um, so my my big thing is the the fruit things I've got especially my two-year-old she demands all this fruit and then takes one bite yes. and just see like a, a the abandoned hair on the floor and stuff. And like, <laughs> so I do, I pick that all up, wash it. And then I'll either, there's quite a few things I'll make. I do these little fruit muffins, which are always, um, they always eat the batch afterwards. So I feel like they're a really safe one. Or in the summer, we use it to make lollies. Again, they love lollies or smoothies and stuff. So I feel like the leftover fruit they I don't I don't mind so much when they sort of abandon it because I know that they'll mm. eat it again later yeah and do you are you a big fan of the freezer yeah I mean although sometimes I do worry that things go into the freezer to die um <laughs> but then yeah, be so chucked got, out three months later <laughs> yeah so I've had to become and actually I used to be really bad at labeling things so now I'm pretty meticulous about labeling things because mm. there was a couple of times where I'd be like oh that's I think I was one time I got something else and I was like oh that's um what did I think it was I thought it was like leftover fruit smoothie or something or leftover ice cream and got it out and defrosted it and then realized it was actually like royal icing or something <laughs> and the kids were like this is amazing I'm like really what is it oh oh I can't remember what it was it was just yeah it was something that was a lot sweeter than I thought yeah oh I did the opposite and I served up mango sorbet nice and hot thinking it was soup <laughs> sounds delicious though yeah. Mm. but yeah so we'd get things that you'd be looking at and especially like living with Rob who's a carnivore um, omnivore sorry even I'd be like we didn't even know whether it was vegetarian or not so yeah but yeah. now I'm much better at it <laughs> so you talked about the sort of dietetics and the science and things like that and people are often quite worried I think certainly you know back in the 80s you'd have all this well you can't you know you can't be vegetarian and be healthy and 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 I think probably we get that around veganism sort of more so probably now how do we make sure if we're wanting to introduce more plant-based stuff that the kids are getting what they need to 
And I think especially on a vegetarian diet, which is obviously easier and more straightforward than a vegan diet, Mm. it's just variety, which I think is the one thing that can feel challenging, especially if your children are being fussy. But I think as long as you're sort of hitting this variety of different proteins, I think think the question, the issues are like the vegetarian protein isn't quite as, hasn't got all the, it's not necessarily as complete as meat proteins or animal proteins. Mm. But as long as you eat like a variety of them, then that's fine you're still mm-hmm. sort of getting the same nutrients and again it's I don't people are actually really obsessed with protein but very few people have protein deficiencies yeah so it's a weird one but I think like iron is actually probably especially for children more important and again that's just variety and you can do things so in order to max iron absorption have fresh vitamin c alongside it which oh, means okay. fruit squeeze of lemon and stuff like that so things like something like hummus with fresh lemon in it is great because it's got um tahini and it's got chickpeas and then it's got this like vitamin c oh well because i always stuff. think of, of iron foods being spinach basically like what yeah so leafy greens are good of... um pulses and nuts and seeds and things oh, like okay. that so yeah. yeah so i think like a vegetarian diet on which is like very rich in vegetables whole grains as well which have got like protein and iron in them i think i'm not a nutritionist so i always feel a bit scared about sort of yes, making yeah. the, these conversations and then sort of like yeah lots of different pulses and stuff and mixing them up like edamame sort of soybeans and tofu is really good as well yeah yeah so I think it's just about variety um, Mm. really and do your kids like tofu they do well actually so my eldest he loves it I think it kind of ticks um, a really nice bland box for him right um so but he loves it so the other two are not so into it but it just depends how it cooks but yeah he does really like it I have to confess to never having tried it, but it, and it, because I think it's got such a reputation as it's like tofu, like you feel like you're fully embracing a stereotype once you go down the the tofu route, and and some yeah, it, it very much does depend, doesn't it, on how you cook it as to whether oh yeah, or not totally. It's like. I think as well as soon as you sort of bung it in a sauce, I've got um, what do I do it sort of uh, crispy sort of sweet and sour tofu, which is amazing, oh, wow. and it's obviously in like a really sweet, like probably not at all healthy sauce because it's like ketchup. And- yes um pineapple juice and stuff but um yeah that always goes down really well and it's amazing delicious I think it is just about the sauce and also um how you cook it like I think once you start making it crispy so you can just like dust it in corn flour and roast it or you can buy from the shops puffs of tofu which is like pre-deep fried oh wow amazing you know when you go to restaurants and have I don't know if you've had it like and it's all spongy like you oh, get in okay. a ramen or something that's that and that's good oh so where do you stand on kind of fake meats? There seems to be, I think you mentioned right at the start, you know, this big rise in, in sort of quite processed, especially vegan food. Like, how do you feel about that? I think what's interesting in our household, my husband prefers the fake meats, I'd say more than he likes it more than I do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good for introducing people to a vegetarian or vegan diet if they're missing sort of meats. For me, I just find it because I've never had meat it kind of just adds a different sort of texture to food. And I really Mm. sort of enjoy that, just mixing it up. There's some that I really like, and there's some that I'm not fussed about. Like I've had sort of fake chicken things that I don't know whether they're really realistic or what. They're not my my jam at all. So yeah, so, and I think, especially when you've got kids, um, having things like the corn sort of nuggets and fish fingers is really helpful because Mm. there's always going to be times when you can't face cooking. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I think as part of a... I say we have them not that often and things like sausages they're just so easy yes um so again it's probably just about variety and if you're eating it every day that's probably a bit I 
I wouldn't want to eat it every day yes. but nothing wrong with a few times a week I'd say and I think I guess that it's that familiarity if we're trying to sort of wean either ourselves or the kids onto onto a more veggie diet it's that you know instead of having sausage and mash it's quite an easy substitute to do veggie sausage and mash or instead of doing you know spaghetti bolognese it's quite an easy substitute to to put in the veggie mince and that sort of thing and yeah. so people are still getting that it's something that feels comfortable and safe and familiar but it's it's got sort of less or no meat in it and I still think there are like um carbon footprint benefits to that I mean you yes. probably know more about it than I do but um yeah I still think there are benefits obviously you start getting down the route where you're getting things in lots of different packaging and mm. it's been processed and stuff so I just I suppose it's so to be mindful of but also don't beat yourself up if that's yeah. what you're finding easier so how do I avoid my trap of simply sort of swapping meat-based things for cheese-based things um I think it's about sort of perhaps understanding why you want the cheese in there and what it's bringing to the table and quite often that is your sort of like savory umami flavor and also it's the satiating effect of like the protein and stuff mm. so it's working out what that is so th- and how you can replace it so I would always so pulses and stuff are really good to help you feel full but then also combining that with that sort of intense sort of savory flavor so something like a tahini dressing and stuff that or some toasted seeds on top I've got um a real deep flavor that is good at replacing sort of the cheese sort of mm. what you're craving from that I think it's just about understanding that and also realizing as well that if you're eating just loads of different vegetables and pulses you might want to just eat more like right. it's not going to fill you up as much so your portion size might feel like it's got bigger oh okay you yeah, know that's really I interesting. Don't know. yeah like you're sort of eating a big plate of veggies and something but um I guess it's figuring out what works because I mean I like a bit of cheese on things as well because it is just easy and it's got a yeah. lot of flavor I'm not into sort of vegan cheeses so much. I don't, I think from what I understand from people, the best thing to do is go cold turkey on cheese, wait a month and then introduce them, the vegan cheeses. Somebody said to me, don't expect it. Like if you, if you, if you're, if your brain is anticipating it to be cheese, then it's going to be like, that is not cheese. Whereas if you're just like, this is a spread or this is a something, then your brain's like, all right, that's okay. You can kind of compute that. But if you're, you're expecting a straight swap for cheese, it's not do you use um is it nutritional yeast that a lot of people use oh yeah yeah I love nutritional yeast actually and it's really good I found for cooking for kids as well because it's really really low salt Um, so it'd be quite a good one if I thought all the kids have had too much cheese put nutritional yeast and it's almost acts as like a stock in terms of its flavoring so I actually use it for quite a lot of things good for seasoning for kids without the salt really where do I get that in the supermarket um I don't doubt because I do mostly online or I bought it from health food shops so I'm not sure actually where you'd find it. I'm going to have a look next time I go. I yeah, wonder if it's, it's like the brand, the the brand that and... I have is like Engevita or something. It looks okay, like... cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to try am. that. And so when you do, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, like macaroni cheese and um, lasagna and anything that needs a white sauce. Do you just use normal milk and cheese or have you got any kind of fancy low dairy options? So um, you can do, I, my preference for a dairy free one is to still do um, sort of like a roux. So if you do a, use a dairy-free spread flour, then you can add plant-based milk, which you have, I think, like oat milk. And I'd also, before I add the milk, blend like a handful of cashews in with the milk. Oh, wow. that sort of adds a bit of extra creaminess. This is if you want to avoid dairy-free cheese. Yeah. And it also adds a bit of protein, especially if you're cooking for the kids and some extra nutrients, and it adds a bit of creaminess, and then season it up with the nutritional yeast and some salt and pepper and stuff. 
Oh, cool. And I can literally do that with a hand blender. Do I need a posh Nutribullet or anything like so that? I normally use a Nutribullet um, just because I find that easier. So, mm. But if you've got a hand blender, if you soak the cashews in boiling water oh, okay. um, beforehand, it softens them up. So I would, I haven't got a hand blender, but I imagine it would yeah. be more like the, and then you just add, so you blend that in with the milk and then you just add it like you would a sort of regular cheese sauce. To make. And you've got a great That's recipe, nice. haven't you, for almost sort of like a fake mac and cheese Oh yeah, potato is it? Yes, so that's sort of like a vegetable one, which is sort of um, using a a small regular potato because it adds sort of the starch, Mm. and then any kind of I'd say orange veg, so either sweet potato, butternut squash, carrots. I also like will shove in sort of cauliflower and sweet corn or whatever Mm. as well. And then um, if you want to do a vegan version, you would just add a handful of cashews as well and some nutritional yeast and then sort of season it maybe either with a pinch of stock or some salt and pepper and then just blend it um and it kind of it looks exactly like a craft cheese sauce and if you just want a veggie version you can just hand in uh, bung in a handful of grated cheese as well so just literally boil all them as you normally would drain them mash them blitz them all together yeah you might need a bit of water to get your blender going depending on what it is but yeah stir it through some pasta i'm going to try that and see because we've yeah, got um, that's not it doesn't if you're cooking it like on a lasagna it doesn't get the same sort of pleasing right sort of crispiness Steaminess, type thing yeah. it sort of it does do it but um I, I would normally make a white sauce for that but use that on mac and cheese and it's great oh wow any tips for cauliflower <laughs> my kids like I love cauliflower cheese and my husband loves cauliflower cheese and it's just like really nice comforting isn't it have it with jacket potato and then the kids are like don't like cauliflower cheese you do like um, cauliflower cheese. <laughs> like roast, cauliflower. roast the cauliflower or I make, um, I've got a recipe actually on my Instagram feed for cauliflower nuggets, which is basically like they are breaded um, and then with breadcrumbs. So you just use a sort of vegan egg wash, which is flour and plant-based milk, dip it in some breadcrumbs and then just bake them in the oven. Um, and then you can just serve it with whatever sort of dip or sauce Ooh. they fancy. And that's quite nice. Oh, I like that. You said that I think your kids have a hot lunch, but so do you Do you get to avoid the lunchbox, Hell, We are avoiding it. Yeah, our kids' school don't, um, you're not allowed to take in lunchboxes. Oh, wow. In lower school, yeah. I don't think they've got the facilities. So it's pretty good. And their menu is great. Like um, before coronavirus, they did a thing where you could go into school and have a lunch with the kids. Oh, wow. It was really delicious. It was so nice. Wow. Got to, I worked out then that my son's favourite thing to do was dip like, crisp or like they had nachos and he was dipping them in custard and he was like this oh, is the most delicious man. thing I'm like oh no there's something <laughs> but classic classic five-year-old boy I guess yeah but any tips for those of us who do have to do the sort of lunchbox because we fall into a rut of a cheese roll every day what are sort of um, um some veggie sandwich fillings that people can do um well actually I suppose my tip would be avoid sandwiches taking it a step back <laughs> I'm not necessarily avoiding sandwiches um, I've got something called a yum box. Like yes, I've like seen them. They box. look amazing. And they've got lots of different compartments. So I find them absolutely brilliant. You can put in lots of different picky things and it doesn't have to be complicated. Like I'll put in frozen peas and then some fruit and stuff. And I think because it's presented in all these little squares, um, it just looks so much more appealing yes. and the kids love it. And they're having a smaller amount of more things. Yes. Um, and I don't know, it just seems to work a lot more. Like I would send things for my son back when he did do lunches at a nursery and I was always surprised at the things that he did try that he wouldn't probably try on a regular plate yeah I think it's this whole thing like you're picking Mm. and they would often have like a sweet thing with a fruit and it just gives them control of I'm gonna eat this bit first Mm. but yeah in terms of sandwich fillings I have to say we are quite um 
my children especially are quite conservative when it comes to sandwich fillings they also like cheese cucumber weirdly my son doesn't like cheese and cucumber together it has to be cucumber by itself Mm -hmm. like he's um at Buckingham Palace and like hummus and stuff like that so they're not very interested when it comes to veggie sandwich fillings I'm afraid okay do you make your own hummus I did when the kids were younger but I don't so much now they're older okay I I can never get my hummus like I try it and it's always just not quite I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Have you got any tips for hummus? Um, I mean, I think if you're wanting it to be like a shop-bought hummus, it's like most things. You're probably just not adding enough salt. Oh, really? I think I was probably yeah. a bit squimping on the oil as well because you're sort of pouring yeah. it in and like, that's a lot of oil. And then whereas in yeah. the shops, you'd just be like, I don't know what's in this. It doesn't really matter. I find as well, when I do homemade stuff, I actually prefer doing like different flavoured things because I think you sort of shed your yes. preconceived ideas and then you've got like the roasted veg if you're doing it in adds a sort of like sweetness into it anyway so I think sometimes it can taste a little bit bitter when you do it yourself. Mm. so yeah. yeah amazing thank you so much info in here have you got um this is totally putting you on the spot any sort of last top tips for people in terms of getting the kids on board with veggie or vegan stuff um I think just keep get, keep at it and remember that they're fickle about everything and I always hear people when they say oh my kid only eats x y and z I just think even if they do just keep offering different things alongside right. it because you just never know when they might decide that today's the day they're going to eat tomatoes. This is my rationale um, with cauliflower cheese. I'm just going to keep serving it until they bloody well eat it. Have you tried putting pasta in it and making it into like a cauliflower pasta cheesecake? Yeah. The, the amusing thing is if I then blitz it up the next day and serve it as soup, they will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we've got it eventually yes yeah exactly I'm going to try um because we've got a cauliflower in our veg box this week and so I'm going to try you know cauliflower and carrot and courgette and loads of different things in there and just be like well you can leave the cauliflower if you want but I want you to you know eat the rest we'll see we'll see brilliant is there a book number two in the offing Rachel not right now I feel like nothing has really been in the offing after this last year I don't know how you've done it because you've got your you've written your book during basically lockdown did you yeah it was lockdown one yeah I think mine was one of the last contracts out of the gate sort of out of the door and then yeah it was literally I think I think I signed it as we went into lockdown and it had to be in beginning of June middle of June so yeah that was interesting like my husband we had a month off at the very beginning and then he's just been back and out of the house the whole time and so I've you know borne the brunt of the homeschooling and all that sort of thing so yeah, I mean, I guess it's been the same as everyone else. It's just this constant juggle, this constant feeling guilty that I don't want to be sat here arguing with you about fractions. I'd much rather be doing my work that is actually quite fun and I quite enjoy. But then when you are doing your work, you're feeling guilty that they're inevitably sat on a screen or something like that. So I think we've probably all, well, hopefully everybody's had a similar experience and feels as crap about what they've done as I do. <laughs> God, like when they went back to school, I was like, oh, what have they actually done in the last 12 weeks? <laughs> I know, Samuel, yeah. he said, oh, my youngest was like, oh, we had to do a, like, they made these little medals for, you know, what they'd, what they'd done or what they'd learned during lockdown. And I was like, could you put roadblocks on there? I don't know. Like, what did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, who, yeah, like how to be really feral. That's what my kids learned. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. You've been an absolute That's superstar. all right. Thank you. ish you wonderful sack of loveliness with me jen gale hopefully we've fired some neurons and we've got the old gray matter thinking about what changes you can make in your life this week to live that little bit more sustainably 
Do let me know what that is. I love to hear about the changes that people are making, big or small. Every single one counts. If you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have, do hop over to iTunes to leave a comment or a review, and then the bots at iTunes will cotton on to just how awesome it is, and it will show up in more people's feeds. Or at least I think that's how it works. Thanks so much for listening. I will catch you next time. Bye.